On July 1st, 2015, Sir Nicholas George Winton passed away peacefully in his own bed at 106 years of age. A few days later, people from all over the world gathered at Prague Main Railway Station to leave flowers in memory of Sir Winton. But why there? Why not at his home? Why not at his grave? Why not somewhere else? Well, Nicholas Winton's death was 76 years to the day after he helped 241 Jewish children escape the Nazis, who would have certainly condemned them to concentration camps and to death. Now, surprisingly, his incredibly generous spirit and kindness, which ultimately saved 669 children, went unknown until 1988 because Sir Nicholas never really talked publicly about what he had done. But one of the rescued children, John Fieldson, who was grown, who had a family, found and became friends with Winton late into his life up until his death. Fieldson said that he never figured out how to adequately thank Winton. He said this about him. He said he could have been in prison. He could have been shot. Anything could have happened to him. Anything could have happened to him. He had no reason to be involved. He was just a good British stockbroker. Now, it's difficult to estimate the cost, his personal cost to Winton. But we know that he was responsible for raising over a half million dollars necessary for the safe transport, the placement in homes, and the support of these children's escape. 669 children. Now, even though you may never, uh, may never heard his story, I know that I hadn't. But Sir Nicholas Winton has made his impact on the world. What about you? What about me? We know that God has made us managers over money and over everything in our lives. Everything is his, no matter how big or how small. It all belongs to God. He is the owner, but he has given us the privilege of being managers. Managers and giving us the opportunity to do with it what we see that we should. Now, here's another couple of truth bombs that we want to drop on you as we get going this weekend. And you may not really, I don't know if you've ever stopped and thought about this, but God does not want to be, God does not want a part of everything. God's not like a, like a, a distant king asking for tribute or the government asking for parts of everything. God wants to take part in everything. God wants to be right there with you in a personal relationship. The only God that even offers something like that. Now, everyone, a lot of people here want to know what in the world they're supposed to do with all they've been given, right? Some of us are, are so blessed to the point of paralysis. Like, we have so much time on our hands. We're just bored. We just got so much time. We don't know what to do with all of it. Or so much talent, talent's just oozing out of us, whether it's physical talent or, or mental or whatever it might be, and not to talk about the treasure. Some of us have so much money, we just don't even know what to do with all of it, right? You just, you're like Scrooge McDuck, you just have a room and you just, you just swim in it. If that really did describe you, I would love to discuss after service some things you could do with it, mean you talk about it personally, but most of us don't feel that way, Right? Most of us feel like we don't have enough of anything to offer anything to anyone. But get ready for this last truth bomb I want to drop on you as we get rolling. It's not about what you are giving. It's about what you do with what you've been given. 
It's not about what you're given. It's about what you do with what you have been given, regardless of your past mistakes, regardless of your current circumstances, or even your future plans. We believe that avoiding financial fallout and walking in freedom is less about decisions that make dollars and more about decisions that make sense, specifically spiritual sense. This week, God wants you and me to see every moment, to see every dollar, to see every opportunity as a gift that we've been given to make an impact on the rest of our life and more specifically and importantly, impact on eternity. So what have you been given and what will your impact be in this life? What have you been given and what will your impact be? Let's pray. God, we're so excited we get to be at church. We're so excited that we get to be at church that you've called us, God. I just pray that the, the weight of the world and the weight of the week and all this stuff just for a moment would slide off of us and we would just be filled with joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're at church. We're together. We're worshiping, God, but we're also going to step into your presence. And how prideful would it be for us to step into your presence, to open your word, and not expect to be transformed? God, don't let us get used to it. Don't let us get used to being in your presence and praying that you hear us and being used for eternity. God, let us be transformed today as we walk in joy, even as we're challenged. God, we love you so much. And whatever you say today, we will obey. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, who's excited to be at church this weekend? Come on. I hope you're excited. want to welcome all of our campuses. If you're watching live at a campus, if you're watching online, live at a coffee shop or the gym or on vacation, we're so glad that you're with us. God Behind Bars, we are thrilled at everything that God is doing uh, at, your, at those campuses. If you're watching later, we are pumped that you're taking time to equip yourself to win the world. Now, uh, we pray that this weekend would, would spark an ignition that would lead to transformation. So, Thinking about ignition, one of the most devastating ramifications of war and bombing is fire. Like fire is so powerful for good or for evil, depending on how it's used. Now, I don't know about you, some of you guys are gonna want my my man card after this, but when it comes to starting a fire, like whether it's camping or even in like a even like a fireplace, if I don't have gas, I'm virtually useless. Some of you guys can like MacGyver it and y'all like put the little teepee. That's not me. I just, I just can't do it. I, I don't know what. But if I don't mean to, I can start a forest fire almost immediately. Out of nowhere, twice, twice in my life. And when you ask people, how many forest fires have you started? You just like, none, you weirdo. Two, two. One was at a Faith Promise campus at our Pellissippi campus. We, I was a student, and we were getting ready for a big 4th of July event, and we went and got all these fireworks. And why do you need fireworks at a 4th of July event? Well, because America, that's why. And so we got them, right? And we bought so many fireworks that they, the, the guy put a bunch of, like, little free ones in the bag, too, in the bags, because we, we had a bunch, right? And so we, we go, and, and me and my friends, we were still in high school, so we were working, uh, we were working, getting everything set up, all the, all the jobs that they had for us to do. And after we did all that work, they said that we could go, they, I won't reference the, uh, the, the student staff members who did this, but they said, hey, y'all can go set off those free ones in the parking lot. It's the parking lot. 
And they're tiny. They're not even the fun ones, right? So what, what's the worst that could happen? Well, the fire department being called is the worst that could happen. I could tell you from personal experience as I was there. And actually, Brandon Dunford, who's at our Anderson campus, he was one of the friends. Uh, he was an intern at the time. He was the one of the guys. There, was, there were three of us, three little rascals, right? And, um, and Brandon, me or Brandon, I think it was Brandon, he lit like this little spinner. And so like he lit it and it would spin, it would shoot in the air, it would come back down, spin a little more and just, right? It, it wasn't a fun firework. It's not the one you look forward to. Well, he did it. It went up in the air. It comes back down. And as it's spinning, it just, it just jumps the curb. It just jumps right over the curb, right into a bush, like a Moses situation. And the bush starts to burn, right? But not like in the, in the Bible, Moses, like it was just, oh, the Lord's there. No, the, the devil was there. Okay, that, if, if, there was a, if there was a supernatural being in that bush, it was the devil. It, it, the, the bush just starts this inferno. And so actually, we weren't that worried about it. It's just one bush. So we're all wearing flip-flops because as you do. And so we're walking up to it and we're just like, we're just gonna put it out. Well, we step on it. I think Brandon steps on it first and it didn't go out. It did this thing where when you stepped on it, it just went <sighs> and the fire would just multiply every time you step. It was, it was dry. I left that out. It was very dry. So step on it. And then we realized in about three minutes, we've caused an issue. Like we have, this fire has gone, it's probably like 20 feet around us now. And we're just walking around, just chomping it. And uh, we realized we're, we're, in a, we're in a bind. So the other student that was with us named Randy, he was in my small group. He runs up to church uh, to get a fire extinguisher because that was our next idea as a fire extinguisher. Now, listen, not everybody's like this, but if you're a young boy growing up and you see a fire extinguisher, you want to use it, Right? Like if you see movies, there's two things you want to do with it. You either want to put a fire out with it or you want to hit somebody with it. Yeah, exactly right. You bunk, right? But this wasn't the time to hit somebody with it. This is the time to use it. So he runs up the hill. Now we're, we're probably 150 yards away from the building. He goes, gets a fire extinguisher. Now again, let's transition back to the only education we have around fire extinguishers movies. And so if you've ever seen a movie with a fire extinguisher, they don't run out, right? They just go until the fire's gone. That's not how they work in real life. So Randy is running down the hill and he's got it, he's got it up, in his, up in his hand and he's got the thing down here and he prematurely starts spraying it, kind of like a war cry situation. No joke. I'm not exaggerating one bit. He's probably 50 feet away, starts spraying it, going down the hill he gets to the fire, there's none left, absolutely none left. And so now the smoke that was already building, now you have the white like hue of like death, right, going on. And so um, people in the lobby last service asked me what happened after. And uh, I'm not gonna tell you, but I will say that uh, the fire department came and had to put that fire out. Were we still there when they got there? It's none of your business. Okay, I'm telling you. I'm telling you that it was a tiny little firework. It was a tiny little spark. But I'm telling you from personal experience, a tiny spark used the right way or the wrong way can have transformative power no matter how it's being used. And a lot of us have been hit with this incoming bomb of untruth that you have to have a certain amount of stuff to be generous. And that is a lie. You know, the, the lie is that the more you have, the more generous you will be. It's just not true. Time, talent, and treasure, they follow the direction of your heart. Or to use our language, they follow the direction of your purpose. 
No matter how much stuff you have, your stuff follows the direction of your purpose. And actually, as I've grown up and as I've talked to people at Faith Promise, as we've grown, it's actually harder to be generous the more stuff that you have. Jesus taught us this, and this is so powerful. Jesus used something that he and his disciples saw in the temple to have a transformative moment. I pray that it transforms our hearts this weekend. And this is in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through, or sorry, Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. And it says this, as Jesus looked up, he saw rich, the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow, that, that word poor is important, a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins. And Jesus says this, truly I tell you, Jesus said, this poor widow has put more in than all the others. All these people gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty all she had to live on. So Jesus skips past the rich giving these big gifts, not because those gifts didn't matter, but because when comparing the size of gift to the size of generosity, only one gift that day made an impact then and in eternity, and it was the poor widow. In fact, that word poor, used to describe her twice, is, is, uh, that is related to that Latin and Greek word, closely related to the word hungry. Now, it makes sense if you're poor in that day, you're probably more hungry than people, physically hungry, than people who don't have, you know, or people who have the means to eat whenever they want. But I believe Jesus had even a deeper meaning. That widow was more hungry to please God than her own appetites. She was the most hungry to see an eternal impact, and she gave. How about you? Is, is your generosity all about smoke and about show, or is generosity about a burning hunger to please God and to make an eternal impact? We, we know that generosity, no matter the size, has an impact. It makes an impact. I mean, think about it. Who would have blamed that widow? Who would have judged that widow for holding back just one of those small copper coins, just one of those mites? But for her, her heart was richer than her resources. Her heart was richer than her gifts. And listen, th this may be hard to understand, but follow me. And it's going to be challenging. A lot of times those who have the most and give the most really give the least. And today this is a time for you to process with the Lord. I believe that every Christ follower here wants to be generous. No one ever wants to be known as selfish or stingy or, or even cheap. Stop elbowing your spouse. We can all see it. It's embarrassing, right? Yeah, can, but can today... Can we walk slow? Today, can we do this crazy thing, just this crazy thing, and actually make the changes that we need to make while we're here at church, make the commitments that we need to make to honor God and to make an impact to win the world? In your seat, there's a card. I ask if you'll pick up that card as a, as a couple, as a single, as a student. And what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through this card. And we're going to explain some things. And during this explanation, I'm going to ask you to make the commitment that the Lord is calling you to make. On that white side of the card, across the top, it asks, what's your financial situation? 
Again, this is not about an amount. So this is not a time to feel shame. This is not a time to feel guilt. That's not what this is for. I also want to remind you that we want you to live on the 10 side. We want you to live over on the right. Why? Is it because we want your money? No, it's because we want you focused on winning your world, not on toys or how you're going to pay your bills. At the end of our life, we will all be held responsible for what we have done with what God has given us. So we want you to live more to the right so we can focus on what is right. That's why we bought Ramsey Solution for free for a year for everybody at the church. And you can share it with your family and just let them know that we love them and believe in them too. We want more for you than we want from you. That Ramsey Solution, it includes financial peace, university, and other money courses. It, it, the premier version of the Every Dollar Budgeting app, which is amazing, unlimited live Q&A and coaching sessions, federal tax filings and more. Hey, do you know why we could do that? Because people are generous. And if you're new here, right, and you're all these, all, all, all these people only want my money. No, people give generously so that we can do things like this. Give this to teachers. Give this to the community so that we can love on them and see them live in freedom. So where are you at on that scale from 1 to 10 financially? And next, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these four circles, which are the steps on the generosity journey, which there's beginner, learner, tither, and kingdom builder. Now, as we walk through this, I want you to consider something. I want you to think about the heart. What are you most hungry for? Remember, the widow was most hungry to please God and eternal impact. A hungry fire burns and takes ground no matter what. What about us? See, that first step on the generosity journey is a beginner, right? A first-time giver, uh, givers or, or individuals who aren't yet committed to consistently giving. Now, hey, listen, if you're brand new to faith, this is fine. This is where you start. But, like, hey, can I just talk to you? If you're a Christ follower, I love you. My name is Zach, and I believe in you. I promise that I do. But, hey, if you're a Christ follower, there's no excuse for you to be here. There's no, let me say it a little different. There's no excuse for you to stay here. I'm talking about from sixth grade to senior citizen, if God has given you the ability to make money, right, then God has given you the ability to be generous, right? Jesus said in the Bible, and, and we know it, but the hope of the world is Jesus and his salvation. And the system that God put in place to spread that gospel around the world is his local church. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that God's the hope of the world? Jesus' hope of the world? I know that you do, but man of God, woman of God, will we not commit to support and to multiply that? If you didn't know, now you know. If you did know, today's the day to make a step. Today's the day to be obedient. Let's take God at his word, because let me tell you this, let me tell you, listen. If you lock God out of your treasure, because you want to be God of your treasure, then your eternal impact will be so much less. Can I, can I say something I don't want to say? I'll go over this message, I'll go over this message. I don't want to say this part. Not only will your kingdom impact be so much less, you may not have a kingdom impact. At the end of our life, we will look at God and we will give an account for the eternal impact that we made. Zach, are you saying, 
Are you saying that, hey, um, that if I don't tithe or if I don't give, that I won't have eternal impact? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it is an indicator of where your heart is and where your care is. I can't tell you if you have diabetes or not, but you can give me some pretty good indicators that you do, right? Listen, me and you, sister, I love you. This is challenging for me too. I, what scares me the most is that people would die and have an eternity in hell apart from God. What scares me just, just barely less are people who barely make it into heaven. And then they look back and just for that moment of judgment, they realize, I wasted it. I wasted my time and my marriage and my, my friends and my kids and my paycheck. I wasted it. What does it matter now? That the separation between heaven and hell is upon me. And what do I have? This is why this is not a guilt thing. This is a beg you to process it thing. The next on the step is generosity journey. We have we have learner. Now learner means that you've taken a step. These are people who, with intentionality, are generous with a certain amount consistently. Right, so consistently they have decided to give. Now, you may ask, why is that not tithing? Hey, that's a great question. The definition of tithing in, in, the, in the Bible, the, the word is 10%, which is what God asks us to give. I understand that may be impossible for you to jump to 10%. If this is new for you, if you feel like God's calling you to the generosity journey, that's why the step learner exists. But can I encourage you, maybe even challenge you, Make a plan to be generous. Do you, it, let me challenge you. Do you have a plan to be generous? If today you can only take the step of learner, right, please honor God by making a plan to be generous. As you pay off debt, as you get raises, as your financial plan or uh, situation shifts, make a plan. Think about being generous. That's what being hungry does. Being hungry makes a way, finds a way. What are we most hungry for. Listen, you don't lose weight on accident. You don't save money on accident. You do not become generous on accident. It just doesn't happen. That next step in the generosity journey is a tither. A tither. This is a person who has worked winning the world in, uh, by building God's kingdom into their budget. This is a big deal. And I know if this is new to you, it may seem like a long way away, but I'm telling you, you can do it. I'm telling you, God is going to make a way. Hey, this will be fun. This will be fun. If you've been saved at Faith Promise or a family member has been saved at Faith Promise or in any way your life has been transformed at Faith Promise, would you just raise your hand if in any way your life's been transformed at Faith Promise? Look at hundreds of hands. You can put them down across all of our campuses. I want to take them in and honor the people who sacrificed Honor the people who tithe to make space, to launch campuses, to fund mission movements, who've served and who've given, who've scraped and went without so that we could have our lives transformed. Can we just honor the tithers at Faith Promise Church? Thank you so much. <coughs> we are so grateful. Gosh, every time we open a campus, I watch little kids walk in that look just like mine who wouldn't have a spiritual dad if you didn't tithe. I'm telling you, we could go for just days and days. Thank you. Only heaven will record it. And I want to tell you, our lives and our world won't be the same, 
but something we started recently that I'm just thrilled about that, that we can do because you tithe is something called WinXP. It's WinXP, Win Experience. And it's where we take young people who are called to ministry and we're able to pay them uh, for 20 hours a week for them to come and to learn. So they can go launch campuses and student ministry and kids ministry and, and worship and groups and all this kind of stuff and, and impact schools. I can promise you that your investment at Faith Promise will not be wasted. And I know that some people are new to the Bible and new to God, and some people ask, hey, is, is, is tithing, is that really New Testament? Does Jesus really want us to do that? And hey, listen, in all the love I can, can I ask you a question while I answer your question? Why are you asking that? Why, why are you asking that? Is it out of a heart of selfishness and even idolatry? Or are you seeking clarity? Because if you're seeking clarity, that's fine. The Bible has it for you, like it does in every other question that we have. But are you have a heart, do you have a heart to win the world? Because whenever Paul is, Paul is setting up the church in the New Testament, he says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, he says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. And honestly, as we look at the New Testament and as we look at, at the, the church, we see them that tithing 10% is a low bar. Read the first five chapters of Acts. Yeah, I, I know this is challenging. This is challenging to me too. My, my <coughs> Rachel's looking to give away every dime that we have. So don't talk to her. If you, you know, don't take advantage of that. But seriously, right? And, so, and that's how we were raised. That's what we're going to do. But some of us, you know what we do? You know how like whenever you're younger and you're setting your purity line and you're, we all ask it, you know, mostly guys. And we, how close can I get to the line before I lust? How close can I get to the line? Which you know for darn well that, you're, that you've got when you're younger, you got a pervert, you got too much testosterone. The, the line for you not to lust is way dang back there. So we should set our line way back here, right? These aren't the shows I should watch. This isn't the social media I should look at. It should be way this way. Well, with generosity, why do we ask, well, how, what, what do I have to do? What, what's the Lord asking of me to do? Instead saying, well, hey, there's also going to be a line one day of hell and of heaven. So why don't we ask, what can I do? How much can I do to, with my time, my talent, my resources to make it hard for people in my sphere not to experience the kingdom of heaven. This is how kingdom builders see it. Kingdom builders are people who give over 10% of their income. Listen, this is not about an amount. When we say kingdom builder, we're not saying that these are kings and queens. We're saying these are people who are committed to building God's kingdom. It's not an amount it is a heart. The widow was a kingdom builder. That's why Jesus pointed her out. Why would you be a kingdom builder at Faith Promise? Why would you make this commitment? Because of the E-R-O-I, the eternal return on investment. The impact here will be greater than anywhere else.